You know, for most of us, time is what we want most, but what we use worst. So why not let digital kung fu make the most of your time by letting us market you, the brand behind the brand. Check out digitalkungfu.co.za to get your hands on our curated content packages specifically for busy entrepreneurs. I mean, it sounds like a hectic thing to do for your average Westerner, but if you can't face the reality that... I was at a friend's dad's funeral last week. If you can't face the reality that it's you in that box, not your friend's dad, you, then you are not in touch with reality and you're not going to live properly. You're going to live in, in the illusion. So it's to wake people up. What's up, hustlers? Welcome to the Matt Brown Show. Hey, guys. So death is a subject that is very rarely spoken about, yet is more relevant than we think when it comes to entrepreneurship. Allow me to explain. You see, businesses die around the world every single day. And for the entrepreneur, the fear of losing something that they have put their heart and soul into building can be familiar to that of losing a loved one. And I can attest to this as over the years, I founded nine different businesses and six of those didn't survive. They all died. And so that really isn't sexy. It's not an easy thing to deal with personally. And it's also, if not harder, to talk about. And so uncertainty is just something that we have to deal with as entrepreneurs. And it is easy to think that we fear the unknown. But what we are really afraid of is the known coming to an end. And so in life and in business, death just isn't cool. But there is so much power in thinking and talking about death and for many reasons. But arguably, one of the most important is that it forces you to come to terms with why you are an entrepreneur and what you hope to leave behind as a legacy and to deal with those sorts of questions in a very authentic way. I reached out to Robin Wheeler, the author of Death is the Ultimate Orgasm, to discuss the very personal aspects of death and how we as entrepreneurs can shift our thinking about what death in life and in business is all about. So this is a power episode, guys. So I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. So without further ado, enter Robin Wheeler. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to another cracking installment of The Matt Brown Show. And today is going to be a little bit of a detour off our usual hardcore business stuff. Um, and we're actually going to talk about something that I very rarely, if ever, talk about. And I'm sure that this would apply also in your life. Um, and that subject is death. <laughs> so not birth, actual death, dying. Um, and so how this show actually came about, interestingly, was I met with the author of an amazing book, which we're going to jump into. Um, he's actually the author of many books, as you can see on this table. Um, but um, let's just get him on. With the sh- let's just get him on, right? Robin, welcome to the show. Robin Wheeler. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Matt. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome, and the pleasure's all mine. So, um, or ours. <laughs> the team. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, so what is the name of your book? Because let's start there, because I think it's hilarious. Go. You think you're seeing the funny side of it. It's yeah. called Death is the Ultimate Orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, let's talk about that. <laughs> you start. Yeah. Well, how did you come up with that name? Well, that's a big part of the story, actually. I was in Thailand in January, over December, actually, and I met up with someone there. His name's Simon Napier-Bell. He's a well-known rock manager. 
Didn't, who did he, he managed lots of famous bands, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he managed uh, the Yardbirds in the 60s, Mark Boland in the 70s, Wham and George Michael in the 80s. Boom. And that's how the connection came about because George Michael had just died a year before and I'd been in touch with Simon and we met up in Thailand and we, we, we spent the day together and that evening we were drinking wine and eating Italian food and, and sort of just bantering up and down, you know. Okay. And then I just in conversation said, well, death is the ultimate orgasm. And he said, there's your best-selling title. No, I'm sorry, but how do you just say something like that? Well, it was a deep conversation. <laughs> because uh, we had lunch for six hours, and then we took a break, and we were having dinner. So it was a build-up. One of those lunches. <laughs> it was a climax of the conversation. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but we, I mean, the man is he's 78 at the time, 79 years old, and death was kind of part of the conversation and uh, sex was part of the conversation we were in in thailand in pattaya which is the entertainment capital and um yeah i mean we both artistic people we were just being creative and talking about life and um so that that's really you know it was kind of a spontaneous statement but it's actually really a, a spiritual tradition if you look at eastern religions they're basically saying that you know um it's really what do you mean by that well Firstly, in, in most uh, Western cultures, the way you started the show is that death isn't talked about. Um, it's well, it's a, true, it, right? It's a taboo thing. Yeah. And religion basically has used that to maintain power over people because you're scared of death so, and you're worried about what's going to happen afterwards. So religion is in business. But it's interesting when you compare Western and Eastern cultures, right? Because Western cultures, um, we have um, Kevin, is it, is it Levana, Kumo? Larina, yeah, sorry, I keep getting it wrong. So Kevin's coming on the show um, okay. next week as a world champion boxer, um, and unfortunately he's just lost someone close to him. Right. But now, I'm not using him as an exact example, but in the Western culture in general, it's like you wear black, it's a miserable right. thing, and it's, it's lots of crying right. and, and blah, 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 and I understand it, I get it. But on the Eastern side of the culture, it's actually a celebration. They wear white. They actually celebrate the moving on of the soul, so to speak, uh, which is a complete opposite of what you know we've experienced here in South Africa and yeah. you know, Western culture. Um, and I suppose that's kind of what you're talking about, where it's actually an Eastern philosophy, yes. adopted philosophy, that death is not the end, and therefore it's actually something to be celebrated, not, you know thought about as something that could avoided be and repressed. Avoided and yeah, repressed, that's one yeah. way of saying it. I mean, if you, but if you take that further, uh, death and life are inseparable. The moment you conceived, your death is already um, built into y that. Yeah, you're going to die. Yeah. yeah so congratulations. You, you have to embrace that. If you want to be realistic about life, you have to embrace death. Otherwise, you're living in delusion. And if you're living in delusion, you can't live properly. So if you want to live, you need to embrace death. And you can see even... Um, uh, with, with retreats, I run retreats around the world, and the one in Rishikesh is going to the cemetery and sitting and meditating among the, the graves. I mean, it sounds like a hectic thing to do for your average Westerner, but if you can't face the reality that... I was at a friend's dad's funeral last week. If you can't face the reality that it's you in that box, not your friend's dad, you, then you are not in touch with reality, and you're not going to live properly. You're going to live in, in the illusion. So it's to wake people up. Okay, so what's the premise of the book? Well, the premise is firstly, uh, death is uh, part of life, not separate from life. It's not the end of life, but it's integral to life. So uh, we, we're living and dying all the time. And if you can bring that close to you and be aware of it, you you're awakening your consciousness. 
And then to live in a more conscious way, you're going to have to integrate all different areas of your life. So my, my main message is being yourself for a living. That's what my brand's been for 22 years. Well, that's what these books are about, right? Yeah, so those they, books the are… The Insight Series, all about being yourself for a living, yeah. right? Easy to read insights, deep spiritual stuff. It's really sort of taking ancient spirituality and the modern world of music and business and entrepreneurship and um, fashion and turning that into a modern vernacular that helps people live on a higher level of consciousness for a new age. I love it. There's so many dichotomies with the world of entrepreneurship because it is life or death. You know, if this well, business fails, like it affects the lives of everybody that works for me. Um, and so, and I can tell you, like, I don't know, it's just. It's just such an interesting subject to dive into, and that's really why I wanted to get you onto the show, um, was because it wakes people up. Yes. And I think that you know, when you're in the trenches every day taking grenades, you just get into this machine of, like in our world, it's producing content and stories and stuff like yes. that. Um, but you, it takes, I don't know, a kind of a, a, a different kind of experience to get perspective. Right. And so death is just, as, as a subject, one, we don't speak about it, but two, when you actually start to explore it, it starts to make you conscious of things exactly. that you aren't conscious about or thinking about on a daily basis. It actually starts to make you realize, actually, well, why the fuck am I doing this? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So that's, again, digging deeply. And if you take yourself, for example, you've been a serial entrepreneur. So those are all the series of deaths you've been through. You give birth to something, you nurture it, and then it dies. And so you might go through the grief of that. You'd have to process it. But one of the things I found as an entrepreneur in the early days was my, I would have to survive my worst fears, you know, run out of money. And then you scramble for days and panic, and, and then you wake up on the morning where all those debit orders are going through, and you open the one eye, and you're not dead. That's all you got is that you're not dead. And then you realize, oh, okay, I was living based on a certain sense of myself, and now I've actually awakened to a deeper sense that can bridge those gaps or survive those challenges. And, so, and that resilience or that depth is what becomes the ripened entrepreneur. And that's the one who ultimately succeeds, who's been through all those deaths and knows who he is or who she is. So death's essential in an entrepreneur's life. Yeah, you, you, it's, it's like, I call it the, the failure train, right? So every entrepreneur, doesn't, I don't care who you are, at some point will book two first-class tickets to the failure train. And oftentimes that's manifested in the context of a business where that business dies. It yes. doesn't survive. And I've been there six times. I'm busy writing the book about it. It's about this whole story. There you go. Um, and this is really about the rebirth of not only the business, because I think for me something can die, but it's not the end, you know, it's like that TB thing we did for Sanofi. It's not the end. You know, even when right. you're faced with uh, a life-threatening or situation, or in the case of a business, a business dying, it's mm. not the end because your journey will continue beyond that business's termination, if that makes sense. Sure. And then it's all about the process of regrowth and believing in oneself again and acknowledging the fact that there are some things that you can control, but there are also things that you can't. And that's where your power sits yeah right but now if you take that and apply that to to physical life it's the same thing it's quite possible we don't know yet because none of us have died yet but what i'm saying in the book is be open go into it consciously don't shy away from it don't be afraid of it actually go to your death consciously but to do that and to actually be aware like aristotle did he was sentenced to death for being intelligent Society said to him, you're too in intelligent for us. Either leave or drink this poison. He says, I'll take the poison because I've lived. I've fully lived. And he drank the stuff and he said, my, my feet have gone numb. I can't feel them, but I'm still here. So I'm not my feet. 
His legs went. I'm still here. So, and he said, well, then who's left? So if you actually got the courage, the balls to face life squarely, which is what an entrepreneur does. You start off innocently, but then you ripen and you grow. And death is what makes you do that, makes you dig deeply. So it's the same on life, the, on the biggest level of life, was let's see what it is. Let's go and find out. Let's be aware. Let's not believe. Let's not take false things and fill in the gaps. Let's go and find out. And an entrepreneur is someone who sets out in their journey of life and business to do that. And a real entrepreneur, someone who survives those deaths and gets their brand where you're getting it with your book, becomes a true change agent because you're able to help people through barriers that they don't normally go through because they're all busy conforming. Why is there so much um, sort of fear associated with death? It's like, to your point, I mean, I want to go both. We'll jump between personal and business because it's just you can't avoid one without the other. Um, but if in the, in the context of a business, like I've been there, absolutely any entrepreneur has been there where you, you know that debits are coming off mm. for mortgages and stuff <laughs> and school fees and shit and Good you fun. don't have cash. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you wake up and you're like, hmm, and then you get through it, yeah. you know. But you don't know that until you're through until it. You so it. you are scared shitless, man. Exactly. I can't tell you. Like you... You, you wake up in cold sweats, you isolate yourself, sure. you beat yourself up, you, do you know what I mean? It's just a horrible, horrible train to be on. Um, and so there's tons of fear associated with sure. that, but equally in the personal context, it's like, you know, if it's like I hate taking out life insurance because uh, like I had to do that with Discovery on the request of my wife, but I'm like, well, fuck that. I'm not even 40. You know, I'm not yeah. going to die. So you don't think it's going to happen to you, but you don't know if it will, like you could go, I could go for a checkup to the doctor next week and suddenly that's it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I get told something. So you don't really know. But again, when you are told that, like there's just an immense amount of fear that immediately yeah. manifests in your head about this event that you don't control. So why, what, I mean, in your experience, why is there so much fear associated with these two types of scenarios? I'd say just unpacking that as, as I listen to you, firstly, it's the unknown. So anything that's unknown is inherently fearful promoting um, and then you have to be able to face the unknown uh, being born was coming into the unknown so even though um, our consciousness now is is something that i can i can use language to talk to you we were born in a pre-verbal state but we were conscious so we came into this world it's an inherently fear overcoming thing it's a brave thing so what's driving you underneath something deeper same as an entrepreneur what makes you jump out of your comfort zone usually it's desperation or a combination of desperation, like you've been retrenched three times, or you, you're not happy with what you're doing and it's killing you, so you, again, death, so you actually risk and go out and do something that matters to you. And then you survive those failure experiences, which again is just a duality, you know, up and down, left and right. Life works in duality, day and night, but beyond that duality, if you take the earth and pull away from it, there's no duality. The sun doesn't come up and down. It's just a matter of smaller perspective. So you grow through those failure experiences and you get a better perspective. So we're scared of the unknown. We're also conditioned to fear death. We're conditioned to live in fear. So we actually are not our true selves. We are the product of society. And that journey of embracing death and waking up is also about finding out who we really are, which comes back to being yourself for a living. How does one approach overcoming that then? Just be aware. Um, no, firstly, I, what I help people do is understand the change that's happening in the world. And, we, and I, I mean, you're using words to describe it, but basically we've come out of the 20th century where you fitted in 
There were rules. You followed those rules. You gave up who you were to do your job. It was an industrial model of work. And now we're in this 21st century. I started in 96, so it was just before the millennium. And this vision was very much part of it. But now we're hitting 2020s on the horizon. So we're living it now where jobs are changing. Artificial intelligence will eliminate 80 or 90% of them in two years. So we have to invent our jobs based on what? Well, firstly, look inwards at who you are what your purpose is in life, what your talents are, being yourself, and secondly, look at what the world needs and align those two things like you're doing, being of service to the world in your, you're sitting in your home studio, in your own clothes, being yourself, you're not fitting in, you're creating, you are being a visionary, you are overcoming obstacles, you're leading a team of people. So that is an entrepreneurial stance and we're all having to do that one way or the other. And usually like all of nature, if a river's flowing down to the sea, it doesn't just wake up one morning, Tuesday morning, and go, okay, let's take a different route. It needs a tree or a rock or a, a change to make a change. So we all actually resist change, but when we do embrace it, we go on to a higher level of awareness, and it, it's rewarding for everybody. So It's funny how you spend the first 20 years of your life trying to fit in, and then the next 20 years of your life trying to stand out. Yeah, I'm trying to differentiate your brand and trying to be the person you were brought here to be. So for me, the, the, the time we're in now, history, human history now, it's, firstly, it's a do-or-die situation. I mean, the planet is in a bad way. It's, it's insane. And it's insane upon insane. I mean, if it was just one factor, like rapid change, or but they're like multiple factors on top of each other that are unfathomable. A nuclear war is a big threat. It, it's a do-or-die situation. We either wake up, or we might not be here, like all the animals we've killed. We'll, we'll just kill ourselves off, uh, a virus that wasn't intelligent enough to keep the host going. Or we shift into a higher awareness, which is what this is all about, and live in a sustainable, creative way. So human beings are waking up to who we're meant to be. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Which I suppose is why Elon Musk is doing what he's doing, right? Exactly. Um, I've got a few things I'd like to chat to him about. What would you want to say to him? Well, I mean, he's I, watching right when now. When I'm so. interviewing him like, I'm gonna, like you're interviewing me. He stopped everything because you went live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but it's true. He, he may well be there. But uh, in my new book, I talk about um, him. And I say, and this is what I'll speak to him about. Because when you see these things he's doing, he's, he's scientifically got an answer but spiritually he's lacking what i'm talking about he needs me and together we will be stronger because who goes to mars suppose people who aren't afraid of death well there's one thing that's a good insight 
So those are more awakened people. But who chooses them? Uh, I got no. I, that that part I don't understand. Like I met Adriana Maria, who's actually going on that 2020 um, spaceship to Mars, the first humans outside, I think, SpaceX. Um, and so I met her and shared a cab ride with her. And I actually asked her. I said, "Why are you going to Mars? I mean, you're not going to come back. Like you, you're going to die there. Like you, you're literally going and choosing to die on a different planet, um, and you're leaving everyone that you know." Everyone that loves, that loves you, everyone that you love, and everything that you've known your entire life, to get on a spaceship, to go to a foreign place where, in all probability, you, put, you might not make it there, right? Even just landing would Chilling be a, a perspective thing. perspective you Yeah, it's like, and then, and then, and then I sh- she said to me, uh, I said, why are you going? And she said to me, well, because I have to go. For her, it's, there is no the, the whole the whole narrative for her in her head right. is different to the average person who's like fuck that, like why would I go to Mars? Do you know what I mean? I got a business to run. <laughs> Do no. you know what I mean? Um, but for her, her whole thinking is completely different. It's just something that it's innately in her to go and do. So that's that innate thing of if she's called to do that, then that's good. One would do that thing, whatever it happens to be. In her instance, I would challenge her on another level. Firstly, my question is, who goes? If you got shit in your life and you go to Thailand, the shit goes with you, okay? So until you face yourself, you can run, but you can't hide. So if you really want to awaken, if you've got shit in your business and you need to face it, so humanity will take its troubles with it to Mars. We'll do the same thing to Mars that we did here. So running away is not the solution. Facing ourselves is the solution. And then whilst we're doing that, we may as well stay here because it is fucking paradise we just got to realize that. So most people wouldn't go because we've already got what we want and need here. And the issues that we've confronted with are issues that we should be facing anyway. So I would be saying that because also who chooses you to go? Some Illuminati committee that puts you through a whole lot of tests, which means you can lie in a spacesuit for two days without losing your mind. That's not the best person to send to Mars. You want an enlightened person to go so that humanity on the new... Um, colony is the enlightened humanity that could come back here and recolonize earth but where all the enlightened people elon musk included because if he were enlightened he wouldn't maybe be doing that yeah big questions man and we're going to exactly. dive back at, into that in a second but really the thing that's fascinating for me about uh, death the underlying thing is time right and you've got this rad quote <laughs> so quote of the day are you feeling lonely on your entrepreneurial journey well, it doesn't need to be that way. Check out the Daily Hustle Telegram group powered by the Matt Brown Show and connect with other hustlers from around the world. One of my many. Can you see that there? So, you go read it off to us, Ben. Well, it's based on Steve Jobs' quote, his famous quote, your time is limited, so don't. And then I changed it, wasted quoting someone else. Because everyone quotes Steve Jobs... But he's saying to them, don't waste your time. It's the same as that famous Stanford thing. He, he said he dropped out of varsity, and there are all these graduates going, cheering that. They don't realize that he's actually confronting them there. So I'm confronting people, and I'm saying, don't quote other people. Write your own quotes. What's your view on the world? Get your voice going. Don't just accept things from the outside. So your time is limited, so don't waste it quoting someone else. Find your own voice, whichever that may be. You've got... Podcast, radio, interviews, and entrepreneurship. Some people might be quiet. They may do it in a, a visual way or a musical way. But don't 
be caught up in be the Steve Jobs, be the it, Matt Brown. Yeah, I get it. I mean, the other thing to, to about that, just quoting, we're trying to come up with your own insightful things to say, like on, in 140, 280 characters now, mm. um, is that it causes you to reflect, yes. actually. You know, um, and I can tell you, like, I always get better responses when it comes from me. If I try and be smart and try and think that, tweet about something that I think would be cool, you know, like people go, yeah, move on, next one, scroll. Sincerity (laughs) comes through, the the authenticity speaks. It always does. I mean, authenticity is the game, and we just put this um, video out, when was it on Friday, Mav, Um, about authenticity and how the world's actually crying out for authenticity. Very you know, um, it's like you got fake news, Photoshop photos. Um, yeah. It's just a world dominated by things you can't Illusions. trust. Yeah. And so when you stand as a personal brand or as an entrepreneur, as a human being, when you stand up and you be your authentic self, there's, an, there's a huge amount of power that, that's embedded within that. And that's what I think resonates with people because you say things differently, you yes. behave differently, and it's infectious. People start to believe in the people shit. People need that it. Yeah, they want too. it. People are, look, people are lost and they're looking for themselves. What people want is something real. And even that thing with death, people don't want money or fame or success. They want the experience of being fully alive. It's the absence of that that makes you look in substitutes. And you'll take people who've got all those things, fame and fortune. Firstly, they probably die of drug overdose. Well, just unhappiness, bro. That'll, unhappiness. that'll kill them. And, and those material things amplify the unhappiness because they, they're seeking those things to compensate for the, the unhappiness and then it just amplifies them. So the work that they were avoiding, they actually have to do now do rich and famous on the top floor of their apartment, you know, of their penthouse. So you'd rather do the work up front. Start with facing yourself. Be real. What I often say is the truth's all out there. Every, if you take all the main religious texts and you read through those, it pretty much covers all the bases. So it's not the truth that matters. It's the authentic testimony to that truth. If you've been through it and you're sharing it from your own experience, that's what resonates with your customer. That's what is your brand identity. That's what your, so it's not the content, actually. It's the essence of things. I love that. So I had a real I, so I suffer from imposter syndrome. So it, you do as a writer. I'm sure you've had most. Do you know what that is, right? No. Okay. Really? That's when you go. That's when. (laughs) So, at some point during writing any of these books or this current book, did you sit there and go, "I shouldn't be writing this," or have a moment of doubt that people will judge you for the thing that you wrote? Um, I'd say, look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm answering that question and adding to it. I'm not really following, but um, let me explain some more. So, please, so imposter syndrome is is a is a proven thing. Right. So, every entrepreneur has it. I have it. Um, and I'll explain more about the book. I've every, every single entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur I've interviewed has suffered from it. Right. Celebrities, actors suffer from it. It's documented online. Um, uh, you know, musicians, everyone that's famous. The Club of 27. Right. It's in my uh, new book. Is, well, you know, it's, it's the underlying thought that you are not good enough. Right, that, your, yes. that your value is not worthy of the thing that you're trying to create. Right. That's why musicians have it. It's about the music, right? Sure. It's not fucking good enough and we're not doing it. Or in my case, the book, I'm not worthy to write that book when by all accounts I am. You know, and it's just, it's just your own Perception, inner narrative, yeah. right? And the interesting thing, just to, uh, to echo what you said a couple minutes ago, was about 
uh, it's not about the content, it's about the essence of what you say. Yes. And so when I, um, I had this imposter syndrome and I, I literally had writer's block and I hadn't written a single word. Right. <laughs> it was just like I've just complete imposter syndrome takeover. And so I phoned Howard Mann, I phoned Rich Mulholland, I phoned Tom Asacker, who's a six-time international best-selling author. And they all gave me advice about how to get over this stuff. Right. Um, and so, uh, but Tom said something to me really amazing. Like, and if, if you guys listening to this on the show afterwards in my podcast, like go back and find Tom Asacker and listen to this guy. He's amazing. So I said to him, dude, you're a six-time international best-selling author. Like, w- w- how did you make that happen? Like, talk to me about your process. Like, what was your inner dialogue? Like, how did you find the thing that you would just blurt out 60,000 words and you knew that this was a book that you could stand behind? And he said to me, you know what, Matt? He's written six books. His view is that three of those books were failures. And, right. and the reason for that was because every time he wrote a book about what he thought the market wanted it didn't really work. It was painful to write. It didn't sell as well. I mean, it's still, he still became a bestseller, but it didn't sell as well as the books that came from him. So when he said, and he said to me, Matt, as long as it comes from you, mm. you're good. Then you'll make it. Like that, that's the book people want to read. And, and that had to, it took me time to like digest it and process it and whatever. But now I'm sitting on like 42,000 words, but it all came from like the truth, my yeah. truth, not what I like. This is why I hate disruption innovation conversations because it's bullshit. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It I really don't have is. those. Yeah, uh, well, there you go. It's, it's also people generally have using that terminology to try and get through to the audience, which is usually a way of, of, of leveraging their product, you know. But disruption, when does disruption start and when does it end? Those are all based on boundaries, which are all assumptions. That's all perceptions. We're in a state of constant flux. Life is a dynamic state of being. It's an existential space that you're in. Disrupt that how? Uh, An enlightened person is in a state of constant disruption. That's that's your awareness. That's your bubbling with life, you know? So, again, it's just about waking up, being more conscious. And that, what you did now with your book, is you shifted out of the imposter, which was the false you trying to write. And that's the problem with writing, is a false you can't write. My books, are like they're like channeled. I just write what comes to me. So I never have writer's block, because I, I'm completely free to write what I want. I don't have any uh, imposition that I put on myself. So it's, 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 some, it's like my higher self is writing it. And that's what you did. So, And again, um, that chap that advised you, you know, he says the book will work. What does work mean? Sell? That's only one aspect of a book. Some books can take years before they actually sell. My books have been coming out for for 20 years, and it's been a building momentum. So now this new one is the the head of everything that's happening, and all my other books are coming in behind that. They're timeless things because I've written with a timeless voice. So we're all on a journey into who we really are, and we're going to be peeling away those layers of what's false. And it usually takes death to wake us up to that. They say no man becomes a real, a true man or his authentic self as an adult um, before his father dies. That's interesting. Mm, I read that the other day because, like, I've got a very strained relationship with my old man. So, like, and you were, and like, that's the thing that you so you role play in your head, like, sure. you know, should I and shouldn't I? And, you know, we all it? have. Yeah. Most people don't survive their parents. Um, and so, and, and death is the thing, right? Yeah. That's the actual thing that makes you 
reevaluate whether or not relationships that you have with people that you care about, like my old man and Mav and his parents and brothers and siblings and so forth, like we all have our own shit. Mm, but, sure. but death is the thing for me anyway that really starts to hold up a mirror. Clarifies and things. Yeah, man. It's, it's <laughs> 2020. It's like they say hindsight's a perfect science, but death is far more accurate. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the bottom line of all things. And in that, the greatest advisor you can have, even Steve Jobs said, uh, Turn to your death. What does your death say? Because you might be going through this month end with all your bills. What does your death say? Your death laughs at that. Well, the go- when you die, the government takes like 50% of your assets. <laughs> Do not die, people. <laughs> so, but you can leave them to sort of grapple over the, over the assets, you know. So it's, yeah. uh, that's their domain. But you're a, you're a deeper being than that. And if you just lived according to governments, you wouldn't live your life. So you have to claim your own intelligence claim your own power don't just do what the government tells you to do do what's most wise to you lead humanity governments don't lead they have a different agenda so it's entrepreneurs who lead let's get on with what we're we doing now knockout punch okay cool your knockout punch dude so um this is part of the show where we you give us your top tip it can be about death or business or life or whatever the case is um so what is the one knockout punch that you think entrepreneurs can apply in their businesses right now and shoot the lights out well i'd say it's it, it, you talk about entrepreneur and business uh, firstly you're a human being so anything that extends from that, which is your business, comes from who you are first. So know yourself, be following your calling, doing what you truly are, not even believe in, but truly, truly know. So in African spirituality, your ancestors are very much a visceral presence in your life. To ask them what you should be doing. Uh, what is your name? What does your name mean? Your name is actually you know, your, your destiny. Find out who you are, do that soul searching, and go on that journey and then make that your business. Because you'll never survive the stress of entrepreneurship without that depth. You'll never have your edge in the market without that depth. You'll never self-actualize when you get through all those challenges without that depth. So go on the inner journey of who you are, what your calling is, and how you can be of service to people. Be yourself for a living. That's my, my tip. And then business just follows from that, you know. It's up and down, in and out, change, ongoing change. So I, I found that being an entrepreneur is way more like if if i if you gave me like a 100 percent pie graph right and you said can you allocate as a percentage the proportion of in terms of entrepreneurship like what is business and what's personal right. i'd say it's 80 percent personal and 20 okay. business really i think it's it's everything is about you you can't scale like a business that. unless you change unless you adopt scale thinking uh, which is the, the whole premise of the book that i'm writing you know right. and if you can't pick yourself up when you get knocked down if you don't if you're not the one to make that choice, you won't employ people. You won't create yeah. any value. You it's won't be of service. You can't be that authentic human uh, if you don't become that person yourself. No right. one will make or help you get, well, that's not true. No one can get you there for you. You have to do the work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're each on that individual journey. We have to be ready. That's why one of the criteria I have for corporate clients is you need to satisfy the three R's. You know, corporates are pretty arrogant, and they'll tell you what their selection criteria You mean criteria. people, right? <laughs> well, they are people, but banks, for example, they'll tell you you need X, Y, Z, and you've got to meet the criteria. Well, my criteria are the three R's. You've got to be real, you've got to be ready, and you've got to remunerate. And you'll remunerate me correctly if you're ready and real. So you go and do the work, you write the proposal, 
I'm not writing you a proposal. You pay me, I might read your proposal. So you get ready, you demonstrate that you're real, and you pay us the deposit, which will be included in the project. So you turn the whole thing around. And one of the things that an entrepreneur does is, because you've survived your worst fears, you become a change agent. You can work with territories, whether it's death or money or growth, that other people don't ever reach because they're so busy conforming and they're so busy living in fear. So you're able to facilitate um, transformation. That's my word. Change is about more or less of the same thing. Transformation comes from another realm. And that's what an entrepreneur does. An accountant goes from one to two. An entrepreneur goes from naught to one. It's quantum. And to do that, you're working with different energy and you need to go on that journey into yourself. You're an alchemist, basically, through people through business, through leadership. So that thing of your 80-20, those details just follow. And I mean, if you really get to that place where you're being yourself for a living, you'll, you'll swallow up that 20 as well. You'll just be being. And that's what an enlightened person does. You're just being. You don't have to do anything. Also, it gives you a greater capacity to become something like, like a complete savage. Like, um, I was listening to... No, seriously. Like, I was listening to Joe Rogan and he interviewed Matt Brown... Not this one, but okay. Matt Brown, the MMA fighter. In fact, if you ask Siri, who is Matt Brown? It goes, Matt Brown is a, is a MMA mixed martial arts fucking kick ass, okay. takes name dudes, you know, and you're like, yeah. And then Joe Rogan was, was basically talking to, um, to Matt, and Matt basically was a drug addict. Um, and so he overdosed. This was before he became like who he Fame, was. Yeah. And so, uh, and he overdosed on heroin and he died. Okay, he was literally dead on the table. And somehow he came back to life and, and so forth. And, and so now hmm. you put Matt Brown in a cage, okay, <laughs> who has died <laughs> versus another guy who's just well-trained. That man is a fucking savage. Yeah. Like I would, it's just no like limits, in your yeah. head, you're like, this guy's like, he's, he's died. Like he's mm. gone that, that to a place that is just so scary and so less traveled. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just, you, that's the thing for me that made Matt Brown, not this one, the other one, awesome. You know, and the fact that he's, outside of just being a wicked fighter, he's just a complete savage. And that's what made him, in other words, that gave him the capacity. Next level stuff. It wasn't yeah. the only thing, but it was certainly something that when he gets in a cage, he's like, fuck this. I'm going to take this guy. Hand, I'm going yeah. to have a real honest conversation with this man. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it brings out the honesty. And that thing of, of being, I mean, if you go back to the spiritual traditions, if, whether it's, say, martial arts, the guy, the, 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 the mentor will teach you that if you still get angry, you've got work to do. Because those fights, that you bow and you respect, those guys will duel for hours. Because they really know what the other guy's going to do. It's not a a cognitive knowing it's not thought it's being it's awareness and again that's about facing your death being able to die to your personality let that anger die face yourself go through those barriers so that no one's got any hooks that they can hook in you and you, bring, you then you bring a superhuman power to what you do whether it's a spiritual presence who is just a meditative kind of master or a fighter or an entrepreneur or a writer or whatever your your vehicle, your tool is, you know, John McEnroe, I saw him play at Wimbledon in 1992. I knew that if that guy had been born 100 years before, he would have been a drug addict because he was <laughs> born to play tennis. That, him and tennis were like the same thing. He, he had to play tennis. It was such, um, su such a calling in him. And we all have that in my, in my view. Okay, some of us are high profile and famous and rich or whatever. Other people are... 
um, equally rich in their solitude, in their silence, in their quiet, reserved way. Um, we can't all be at the front, you know. Everyone's got their place. Do you, uh, do you um, follow a guy on Twitter called Naval Ravikant? No, I don't you know. You should that. totally do that. <laughs> like, you just just uh, just search on Twitter, everyone, uh, for Naval. Just N-A-V-A-L. Okay. Just that, or you'll find him. He's got like a bazillion followers. And this, okay. all this guy does is tweets like one word shit, you know. Okay. Like, well, I think if I'm, I might misquote him now, but he's like, someone said, what is the difference between arrogance and, and ignorance? And he went, indifference. You know what I mean? It's like this, this really powerful, de- like the guy's not really human. Yeah. He's a proper higher frequency vibrating guy with a voice, you know, yeah. on Twitter. It's de- totally worth okay. uh, following, yeah. But we all need to find that within us because you're talking about, you know, even the, the Twitter culture, okay, it's up to 280 now, but 140 characters. That's Zen. To be able to articulate life's profundities in, in a short sentence, that's what your English teacher taught you. Write a praise of this. So it's actually all of those great wisdoms of all time. Um, you know, if you take a great spiritual teacher, they'll do that. You go to them and you, you bow and you say, this is what you want. And the guy will kick you. Or he'll throw something at you. Or he'll do something spontaneous that is exactly what you needed to hear at that time. You were nearly enlightened, but you just had one bullshit issue that you were coming to him with. And he saw right through you and he did a thing that was his tweet. And you went away with that tweet for the rest of your life. Or... You, if I say to you, are you okay with your relationship with your dad? If I gave you 60 seconds with him, you're a time-based guy here. If I said, you've got 60 seconds, what would you want to say to him? You must be ready for that. Maybe you'll still go and say it to him right now. You'll say, excuse me, and go and say it, or you'll get it to right, him Right, that's it. We stop the show. <laughs> but that thing of what, spiritual masters, their famous last words are, what do you leave the world with? What is your statement? What would you die go out saying if you, this was the last minute we had? To be in tune with that is what makes you that, that prize fighter, makes you that profound guy who can... Because rep- his, his whole life has gone into that one word. He's so present. He's, all of his intelligence is there. And to do that, you need to be present. And to be present, you need to be your true self. You need to awaken through all the illusions to who we really are. I love this. I want to come back to purpose and legacy in a second. But now it's time for the Injustice League. So here's where we're going to get you to start swinging baseball bats and shit. So um, Mav's going to get um, our guy set up. This is your, your guy that you're going to smash. Okay, are you get sure I'm going to smash bat. it? Yeah, you totally are. You okay, well, let's see, because I was thinking about this before I came. And I thought I'd renegotiate it with you. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, go. Well, firstly... If you, this is one of your podcast things that you do, and you're inviting me here to bring something unique, then what I'm bringing is something that no one else has done. So I'm going to ask you why you like to smash things, rather than to negotiate them, for example. <laughs> it's too deep for me, dude. Just smash the fucking man. <laughs> well, let, let me put it this way. I could smash it, but if I had to smash this, I'd, I'd smash this whole fucking table. Okay? So to save your... To save this for your next podcast, if I've got my thing, my bugbear is that I was never allowed to be myself. I had to fit in at the expense of my, my whole life. Okay? So that's my big injustice is that as we sit here now, there are kids all over, some kids of people in this room who have been conditioned out of being who they are into fitting in, into standing in rows 
sitting in rows wearing uniforms. So that injustice is, that is the biggest tragedy in human history. But to smash it, I don't think that would be the solution. I mean, if I, if I want to change that, sure, I'm angry, sure, I'm frustrated, even at this stage in my career. Um, there's still that urge to be angry about it. But that anger is my responsibility. Because if I use that challenge to grow in me rather than to try and smash the world around me up, up. Sure, I could do that as a meditation. I could say, okay, I need to express my destruction of something. Or I need to vent my feelings. But then I would take responsibility for that. And I would say, okay, well, I'm doing this as a meditation. But if I come out of that meditation and I'm still dealing with that injustice, how would I handle it? Well, firstly, I would just personify the, the new. I wouldn't smash it. I'd be friends with it. I'd say, hey, man, you're my buddy. And this is a nice bat. This is a phallic symbol. Phallic symbol. Ring the bell. There's my... There's my um, you got to get a photo of this, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is too good. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you like it. Thanks. Robin Wheeler in the house. I respect that shit. Clap that up, guys. Clap that up. Yeah, man. That's legit, dude. That's legit. Well, that's, I, I think that's awesome, man. That's Thanks, really I'm speaking really the truth, bro. Respect, man. Respect. That's cool. And also, I get what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? I think like and your injustice essentially like people who don't feel like they can be themselves or um, aren't living their you know, life on kind of like their own terms or what have you, have you either from circumstances that are beyond their control or yes. within their control. That's essentially the injustice that you see. Yes, you know, um, And oftentimes people lash out. Well, know? that rage, firstly, is it's repressed. So you're actually killing yourself. You're committing suicide every day. I did a thing a few years ago called suing for service. I took on every corporate that I'd had a bad experience with. I put it in the press. I put my brand online. I was on the radio. Some people supported it. I was on all the main radio stations discussing this. I was so angry, and I was dealing with these corporate replies that made me more angry. I was doing the Elvis windmill in the, in the lounge with wrath, and I, rem I was like reliving my, my bully, being bullied at school and the injustice of teachers who were just so stupid, but they still had authority there, you know? And I realized how much rage was repressed in me. And that's what makes people ill, is when they don't, when, when they push their feelings down. So you, it's almost like a catharsis you've got to come through. Well, that's why we asked them to swing a baseball bat, because it gives people the opportunity to actually talk about something that's really... To open up about Yeah, it. and to let it out. Let and it to out. have fun with it. You know what fun I mean? Fun is because, a big element. Yeah, because look, life's just so fucking serious, man. You know, exactly. and like, it, we all take life so seriously all the time. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and, and everything, when you do that, you apply so much pressure to yourself that quite frankly, isn't necessary. Sure. You start to worry about things. And you know what? Out of a hundred things that I worry about, 99 of those things don't happen. That's the nature of worry. But also just that repression, that anger, that thing weakens you. Um, so if you can reverse that process and express it, be real about it, have fun about it, Get it out. And then you realize that you don't need to fight with your environment. You can actually just lead by being who you are and providing a service from there. And those people will come to you in good time. Yeah, and also it's about giving your energy to things that you yes, potentially exactly. can't solve. Exactly. You know, you, you're like, losing your power again by putting it out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And just it's like I, I try and do this with my wife, right? So um, when she gets upset about something, I just say, yeah, but stop giving a fuck. 
really just stop caring because when you like the moment you uh, look i know it sounds it's not in all cases context is very important here sure but when you stop caring about things the little things it's like don't sweat the little things sweat the big stuff you know because there's so much happiness in that and i can tell you it's like when you when you're running a business and you got like marriage and kids and 2.5 dogs and a bazillion other things that are on your plate there's loads of things that I could choose on a daily basis to get pissed off about, you know. But when you don't and you just stop giving a fuck, uh, there's power in that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because there's even that book saying that. But, I mean, you, that's very much a guy thing you've just said. It's a guy solution. A woman's a, a chick will, needs to talk. So the feminine side in all of us um, isn't actually trying to solve a problem. She's just got a feeling in her that she needs to unpack. And being heard, I'm like that. Being heard and being loved are the same thing to me. It's, it was because I wasn't heard as a child. So that thing of being able to hear yourself and to just unpack, so it's upsetting her for some reason because even though it's a minor issue, it's, it's big to her because it's triggering something in her that once she's got through that, she's, ah, oh, okay, I'm feeling better. So we all need, need to learn to hear ourselves. We can do it in relationship. And I mean, it's the classic sort of relationship thing of the, the chick just wants to talk and be heard and the guy's like, what's the problem here? Do A, B, C. But if you, if you learn to hear yourself, then you can actually give yourself what you need and be free of those frustrations, you know. And then also that does make it kind of don't sweat the small stuff in the end because you've heard what, what it means to you and the stuff does just become small. Cool. I love it. By the way, Mav, um, if you ever go on a date, just ask lots of questions. It works yeah. all the time. What just do you think? listen. Sonal, does that work for you? Hang on. Turn her, turn her mic on there. <laughs> Does it work for you? Uh, advice to Mav, if he ever goes on a date. Um, I wouldn't really ask questions. I'd more listen to what she has to say and reply with an emotional response, not a computer-generated click-the-I'm-a-robot response, just for all <laughs> male people out there. Re- reflect, <laughs> reflect her feelings back to her, and you'll be, you'll be trying to get rid of her after that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> turn, the whole, turn the tables. Be, embrace the inner feminine. And, and she'll, she'll respond to that. There you go, Mav. See, added value. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about legacy because right. I think it's a really big deal when, when you talk about death. And Because you, you said, and we never actually answered it, but you said when you die, um, you know, what are you, what are you going to say? That's what you said. Yeah. But for me, it's like what do you leave behind oftentimes, you know? Um, so for me, there's, there's family and kids and you sure. know, that legacy side of things. But also there's... Um, there's a whole subject and, and discussion to to be had about purpose, right? You know, and understanding like your why and why you do things. Right. And I was listening to Robin Sharma's podcast, and he said the other day it was like, um, if you he said, I can't, I'm just trying to. I remember the two questions, but the context was about passion. Like, how do you know who you want, need to become, whatever? And so basically, he was saying, look. When you die, there's two things that um, people will answer. And he said, who did you become? What will people say about Robin when he died? Or wh- about Matt you know, when he died? Like if someone said, like, who did Matt become? Well, he became an entrepreneur, became a dad. Like that's your, your legacy. Then in terms of purpose, it's about another question. And that question is this. Who did you help? Mm. So Matt helped entrepreneurs in over 100 countries around the world. How did he do that? Well, primarily through his podcast. Matt helped grow the careers of, you know, 25, 50, 150 employees, of which 
you know, 50 of those became entrepreneurs and they went and employed. Like that for me is the legacy. I found, I found that really insightful because it lands the thing around legacy and purpose. Because I've had this conversation a few times on the show. A lot of people don't think like passion and purpose and all that thing really matters. It's like you will never find your purpose. You will only ever create it. And, and, and while there's, that's obviously debatable, for me, that's really important, right? Because how many times, I can't tell you, P, I, even in my own life, it's like I've been like, well, when, one day when I find the right marriage or person, I'll marry that chick or whatever or that dude. When I find the right job, when I find the right employer, when I find the right degree, when I find, 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 meaning you are always at effect, you're never at cause. Mm. But the moment you change it to say, well, I'm going to create that relationship. Because yeah. there's no right woman or right man. It's about creating the relationship dynamic to, to have that result, right? <laughs> I ring the bells. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like, and just in your experience, and you know, obviously if there's anything in the book you want to share, like George Michael dying, yeah. you know, like he left a fucking amazing legacy, you know? Sure. Um, and it's a really big deal. And I think every entrepreneur thinks about this stuff about what they will leave behind and why they do things. What's your... Well, it's... I mean, we could talk... We could do another whole show on that. But if you just... If you take George, for example, okay? So, he had this wound. Uh, Simon speculated that George was sexually abused as a child. And that pain is what caused all of his fame. He wanted to be famous to be loved because he had pain. You said it earlier. All the imposter syndrome. So, every great person has been driven by some sort of wound and pain combined with their genius, their talent. So the things that were my injustice are the things that people are driven to overcome. But then what happened is his story, his narrative, his myth, his living myth, took him, so he became big and famous. He went solo, he got bigger. Then he started to fight with a record company. Then his creative output dropped. And eventually he died at 53, drug addicted and not at his best. So what is the actual legacy? So you could say he left us the music, but he left us a chilling insight into that, like Jim Carrey says, those things are not the answer. They're part of you finding the answer. But George left us, if, and my new book's about that, is well, how did he die? He died alone on Christmas Day, last Christmas. I mean, it's even his song. There's a little bit of gay tinsel in there. He's, he's, it's, there's a, a narrative that he's giving you, but he's saying, he's putting you in touch with the grief of, of actually, as great as he was, he missed his life because he came here and he lived this arc of story, but who he really was underneath still never quite got there. So legacy is about immortality. You're too fucking scared to die, so you want kids, you want books. And I've got an old school friend who said to me a little while ago, your legacy's assured, you've got all your books. And I was like, I've never thought of it like that. It's true, but I'm not doing it for legacy. To me, and if this is taking your point to, to a higher level, my purpose is to be here. I'm already here, so my, there's no purpose. If I'm fully conscious, the universe will take care of my purpose. It brought me here in the first place. So anything that's less than that will be ego. And ego will want to leave something behind, whether it's a, a palace or a business or a book or a child. So you've got to work through that and say, well, let me die and be nothing. There's a story about an enlightened guy who was making sand sculptures on the beach, but he was doing it down in the surf. And another enlightened guy went up to him and he said, I can see what you're doing here. You're making the most beautiful sculptures, knowing that they'll be washed away within hours. And he said, that's exactly right, because I'm being washed away all the time by the waves. 
So rather look at your urge to create a legacy, dissolve that, be present, and you'll create the biggest legacy, don't worry. How does, how does one, like Simon Sinek made this Find Your Why um, story very popular. I mean, how does an entrepreneur like Mav or Sonal and, and Kumo sitting here in the studio, like they're young and you know they're working for me today, but in five years probably not. I would hope not. They would have moved on and done their own thing. But, um, but I mean, like when you're young, it's hard to know what that, highest excitement is to quote John Sane yeah. or what that why is true or false guys like you, you don't know right so here's a group of people who are battling with resolving the question about why they do or should do what they do in their own context and life so yeah. what advice do you have for, for entrepreneurs and the guys in the room well I'd say firstly just start where you are trust who you are and where you are and that start with that so if finding your why helps then find your why. It's not the ultimate answer, but it's a start. What injustice infuriates you? Be mobilized by that energy. Who, what did you want to be as a kid? In an innocent way, what did you want to be? A fireman, why? Because I liked helping people. Ah, there, that's archetypal. If you help people, that's what teachers do. That's what healers do. It doesn't matter whether you... Uh, living now or in 5,000 years ago, that applied. So if you dig into those deep things, doing what you love, using your talents, um, growing, self-actualizing, being of service to the world, making it a better place, um, then you're in, in alignment. You're more and more in alignment. But if you, and that's the being yourself for a living journey that you set out on. So start with why. But then what happens when you're further down the track? You're going to ask, who am I? Because you don't actually know. So now that's, in order to be yourself for a living on the next level, you're going on that deep inner journey. I was just in London uh, two weeks ago, and a friend of mine there is on his, he was first a fine artist, then he moved to London and he got into, became a chef. He's now, he was ill, and his healing from that, he's turned into a, ther a therapist, a massage therapist. But he hasn't, that hasn't formed yet. He's still in that creative phase, and the man's 51 years old. So he's in his third career, and he's now going into the unknown again because he's asking the deeper question of who he is so that he can bring it to be of service. So I'd say go on the spiritual journey, start where you are, trust where you are, whatever works for you at the time, but never stop, keep going deeper. Because the more you find who you are, the more you manifest your ideal life around you. you know? And that is, to me, the most satisfying journey intrinsically. It's like being an artist. You paint for that moment. The fact that somebody buys your painting for $100 million a hundred years after you've died, is not really why you did it. Van Gogh didn't, he had paintings that are now worth a hundred million dollars each under his bed. He gave them to waitresses. Because what mattered to him was that being fully alive, being able to watch that sunrise and c convey it through his being. Do that, your business will follow. Yeah, I, the only, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. The only thing that I've learned just in my own experience is to not give your mind questions that scare the hell out of you. <laughs> Seriously, because it'll cause you sleepless nights, consternation, and then now you're stressing. Like, yeah. for me, it's, if you say to yourself, my brother asked me that once. Fuck, I'll never forget it. He said to me, who are you? And I said to him, I'm Matt Brown. He goes, no, no, no. Who are you? 
I'm like, well, I'm a human fucking being. Mm. He goes, no, 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 but who are you? And he kept asking me over and over. And eventually I said to him, dude, well, who the fuck are you? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? And he went, I'm a child of God. And I went, oh, please, that's so rich. Do you know what I mean? But I didn't like the question. I didn't, I respected his answer. I didn't like the question because it made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't see the relevance of it. And so what I also realized, and this was like 10 years ago, was that you will find those answers anyway. Yeah, life will take. It'll take you. you there, dude. Like, you, all you need to do is strap yourself in and enjoy the ride, seriously, and in, and take like every day as it comes, you know, sure. and not freak out about the fact that oh, I got to work out what my passion is in life, you know, or blah blah blah. It's just like you will work that shit out. Like between the ages of twenty and thirty, you shouldn't give a fuck. You shouldn't care. Be, be 20 or just, 30, yeah. Yeah, just like go and like have sex, do drugs and be reckless with your life. You know what I mean? Don't take this advice to heart. Yeah. <laughs> listen to me, rather. But, <laughs> but I mean like what I, what I, my point being is that when you're 30, okay, fine, now start serious. You got what? Another 80 years left but given the weight of medical advances. Do you know what I mean? Like, but what happens if your dad dies when you're 24? What do you mean? Well, you can be just 24 being 24, and that has its place. But something deep and serious could happen like that that throws you into a whole new realm where you actually have to face a lot of things. So I'm, so I'm agreeing that life does take you that way, one way or the other. But I'm just saying be ready for it. Be aware of it. Be conscious. Uh, a child is innocent through ignorance, and a sage is innocent through having been through it all and being wise at the end of it. So we're all on that journey. And you can be... That's a sign from the universe that I'm saying something important. <laughs> well, it could just be these automated sales calls that okay. I've been getting. I wish they would all die. And now a word from the Daily Hustle. How's it, guys? So the other day I was exchanging uh, war stories with a fellow entrepreneur and it got me thinking about the one thing that in my view is the difference between those who raise the bar when they face challenges versus those who apparently shrink underneath those challenges and ultimately fail. And I guess we're guilty of both uh, in many instances. But you see, when things get tough in your business and in life in general, it's just fucking hard to stay motivated, right? It's just natural human instinct. It's hard, right? Um, And I think one scenario um, that we can all relate to, regardless of how big Uh, the company is is the lack of cash flow and when cash flow is tight and we have to have what i call come to jesus conversations either with clients who have not paid us or with staff who we unfortunately have to let go this is especially hard man you know especially when you're starting out for the first time and you realize that your business is not only the cash cow for you but it is also responsible for the livelihoods of the people that work for you and it really can hit you like a sledgehammer So if you're not prepared for that stuff, it's tough, right? And in tough times like this, you know, it's very hard to stay motivated, uh, to keep going and to overcome uh, challenges like this. Um, But I can tell you in my experience that the more disciplined you become, the easier life gets, regardless of what what the context is. You see, your level of success is always determined by the level of your discipline and perseverance. And I'm guilty of not being disciplined enough on a daily basis. And so that's got me thinking and putting together this essentially this episode for you guys of the Daily Hustle. Because I want to ask you this question, like how are you being disciplined enough in your business? Or are you being disciplined enough at all? Because at the end of the day, you have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. 
and that is to suffer the pain of being disciplined on a daily basis or ultimately to suffer the pain of regret. And I hope it's the <laughs> the first choice, right? Suffering the pain of being disciplined versus regret. Regret sucks. <laughs> so have a think about that um, and let me know what you think. Well, it's a bit of both. It's, I think life is about the, the deep stuff and the, the nonsense stuff, you know, and you're navigating those two things. Mm. But yeah, definitely, I would say just be, be open to your true nature. So one thing that was bugging about your brother's question is that he wasn't actually asking you, he was telling you something. Yeah. So it was irritating because he, was he wasn't listening, he was actually provoking you because he wanted to tell you that he'd found God. But the question itself is, is actually a fundamental question. Who are you? If you went to, there's, I've forgotten the name of it, but that, that was one of the spiritual, great spiritual teachers' final lessons was who are you if you can ask that question you're actually going to answer everything and if you find out who you are because if you knew who you were you know not your name not your title not some analytical outcome but if you were fully yourself you would be answering that question in silence you would be being yourself and his ignorance would be shown by his question because you are yourself so it is actually one of the ultimate questions, and it's just uh, one to keep with you whatever age you're at. Robin, let's wrap this up. Cool. I have one more searching question for you. Okay. Um, why do you do what you do? Like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? I get up very slowly. I wake up naturally. I never use an alarm. I get up when I feel like it. I'm a late riser. When we chatted before, you said you're up early. So I'd say, just to embellish on that, um, Find your own pace. Do your own thing. Yeah, I feel like I've missed out on the morning hours, but I'm a late night person. And so, what gets me up is um, it's just I have to do. I have to be me. You know, it's like, and that's all I've really do. There's another one. I'm saying a lot of important things today. <laughs> the universe. But is you have to be you. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. I just have to be me. I just. That's all I want to do, Matt. I just want to be me. So. Doing admin, no, I've got important, more important things to do. I've got so much in me that just wants to come out. I just want to live. I just want to, and, and I, can, I joke, I say, if, put me on a desert island, but as long as I've got something to write with, if you gave me this on a desert island, I'd write in the sand because I need to write. So I've written the last, I don't know, probably 15 of my books on my phone. This new book of mine I wrote on my phone, on my touchscreen. Whoa. Exactly. I can't even believe it. But as long as I've got something to write, so there's so much in me that wants to come out that that I, I couldn't, I could, we could break that down and say, I want to do all these things, but that would just be tools. The real core thing is I just want to be me. I just want to live. So that's what gets me up. And then from there onwards, I start to translate that into structured things, sometimes responding to requests, sometimes um, doing, you know, having time to just write, just to be free. A lot of what I do is just letting what comes naturally lead me just be me just have time to myself let the stillness show the way and then you end up with all these books robin so much power in that dude awesome clap thanks that so up much. yeah there you go thanks <laughs> lovely to work with you and meet you all <laughs> i'm impressed these young kids eh? yeah kuma is really <laughs> pumped <laughs> we'll talk on after but dude uh, all the best for the book launch thank you so um, much really good I chatting I expect a signed copy okay we'll um, and it. yeah let's, let's rock it oh in fact do you want to do Q&A how many questions do we get quite a few three you also have Four. questions okay cool. here you go sorry I keep doing that you guys must just remind me about Q&A fuck
Hi, so I've actually got a personal question. Um, with like people our age, so 22 and above. So I've recently went to Sri Lanka and that just opened up my entire brain. Okay. So since I did that, like I've been starting to meditate. And right. my question is like, how do we as like, young people open up our consciousness? So from all the social conditioning that we've been like going through since we were kids, like it's always the internet, it's always this, people telling us what to do and how to do it. How do we then fix that like how do we get out of that right that's well that's you've got some answers there already i mean there's travel is a big thing um ancient spiritual traditions expose yourself to those crisis shit happens in your life embrace it take drugs uh i'm not advocating that but um a lot of smoke weed it's legal now (laughs) well that's why i'm stopping why because i'm a rebel yeah (laughs) Um, no, I'm just making a joke about that. But that thing, I'm not saying that the drugs are the answer and that they um, give you spiritual enlightenment. But many people who've become spiritually awakened have, will credit drugs as being in there somewhere. Um, so if mind expand, you know, ayahuasca, for example, which is a, a, a shamanic tradition thousands of years old has become very popular now. It's mentioned in my book. A friend of mine has been on quite a few retreats in the Amazon. So, okay, so that's not a drug. That's a shamanic device. Do spiritual things like that if, if you call to it. Expand your consciousness in whichever way as you find. And just trust that you already know. As a child, you've got that. You've been conditioned into this person with, with a name and, you know, an identity. That's not who you really are. So go and find who you are, and you really do know it. It's just a, a remembrance that's about peeling away that what you aren't, you know? The Egyptians used to take a lot of shrooms. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. It's proven. Like, there, there's literally, it's, there's, like, historical evidence, like, where there's, you know, there's your pictures and shit, like, and, and whatever they used to write, the scribes and stuff, like, they used to take shrooms, like the shamanic drug sort of thing yeah. because it gave them a higher access to a higher consciousness don't advocate drugs but <laughs> you know it is so, uh, something that people have worked with before yeah, for, a, for thousands of years by the way drugs have dangers too so that's you're always walking that knife's edge of, of you know mitigating against that you know are you gaining from it um, and but yeah I'd say you're on that path and just to just to embrace it just to open and say okay well I'm aware of this now. I've begun this journey. And just open yourself to... The universe will give you what you need. And just be ready for it. Be open to it. Does that help? Yeah, it, it does help. Okay. It does. Thank you. Uh, do you want to go grab a mic, dude? Come around this way. I like these multicolored mics. It's just... Uh, they are cool, hey? Very cool. Yeah. Little things like that make all the difference, hey? Um, this question is for both of you guys. Uh, do you guys think the whole uh, mental health thingy is like connected to the in getting enlightened and spiritually enlightened or like how mental health is like on the rise now like people are being more aware of it and stuff like that mm-hmm. I'd say definitely because uh, like Jung said to be well adjusted to a society that's unhealthy is not a sign of health so um, people are struggling you know this whole thing of even this um, attention deficit type diagnosis um, that just basically means that kids are intelligent and school is stupid. And you don't give them drugs so that they can sit there and be vegetables. Um, that person needs to, their intelligence to come out. So um, I think mental health is very much linked to, to spiritual awakening. And that um, 
even in shamanic circles that um, you know here if somebody wants to be powerful we vote for them and if somebody's mentally ill we put them in a hospital it should be the other way around if somebody wants to be powerful you put them in a mental hospital and say hey dude you got issues here this guy's having a psychotic episode actually he's a healer and he's been called to heal let's hear what his insights are so the world's upside down and you need to f navigate your way through that and turn that to your advantage because you're the enlightened age. I'm the bridge. I've turned 50 this year and so I've got one leg in the old and one leg in the new. But you guys have to live it. You have to go and the, there's no shortcut. You can read my books. They'll help. You'll think I'm great. But it's still about you. This book's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think when, you, when, you're doing, when you're doing what you're meant to do, there's such an energy to it. You know? So just find, know that it's there and just follow that and the intelligence of it will come through. And yeah, definitely um, mental health issues will just dissolve. You know, we all got a place in the world and we've all got our unique contribution to make. So often that mental health issues are finding our way to it. What do you think? Well, I think there's different sets of things, right? There's the spiritual set of things that you need to go through. There's the mental set of things that you need to go through. And there's the physical stuff. And, and, you know, like no one thing will make you happy. Like you have to somehow get to a point where you work all three of those things um, to get to a place of enlightenment, however you decide to define that. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just think it's to echo what Robin was saying. I think you, you really need to hold on to that curiosity because... I I person like I watch my three four year old son now run around um, you know playing and just watching him. He's far more closer to enlightenment than I am. Exactly. Because the older you get, the more you lose it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's a funny thing, and so your job is almost to try is not to necessarily answer it definitively, exactly. but to continually revisit it. Exactly. So that you can hold on to the things that matter to you. Do you know what I mean? With consciousness, because that's the that's what I say. The, the the kid is is wise and pure and enlightened, but in an ignorant way. Now, you're going to be as a father. Half half of you wants to preserve that innocence. In fact, you want to become like that yourself. He's the leader. He's the teacher. Yeah, I'm jealous. You're jealous. We're jealous. And he's yeah. joy. He's such a happy thing. And look at all the shit you're dealing with. So you're jealous. And then the other half of it is you you're trying to kind of mentor the guy into the world so that he knows how to you know, cross the road and drive his car and run a business or whatever. So the human journey, that arc, is you come from innocence, and if you get it right, you finish in innocence. The difference is, is that you're innocent in a, a wise way, which is that you've been through all the shit, and you're still childlike and innocent. That's the work of the sage, is to be enlightened not through ignorance, but through having been through everything and having transcended it and realizing those things are not me, those fears are not me. The name is not me, um, but there's something that is me here. And that thing, if I'm bringing that to bear in presence, then that's higher intelligence at work. I don't actually exist. I'm just in alignment. But it's great because <laughs> I am actually here in form. Yeah. And that's the orgasm of life. Orgasm is tension. It's a buildup of tension and it's, it's a release. And we all are living tension. So there's a state of orgasm built into who we are. And if you get into alignment like that, most people's only taste of enlightenment is orgasm. For those few seconds, you become a child again. Your mind shuts down and your whole being is pure. It's like watching a sunset. For that split moment, you're not thinking. You're not going, oh, this is the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen. I can't wait to tell my friend. Your mind goes quiet. 
And well, you and that sunset are one. That's orgasmic. So that's the state of being that you guys need to live in. That's the future of humanity. Watch the sunset. Stop taking photos. Yeah, well, if you take photos, be aware that you just be present. Whatever it is that you're doing isn't as important as the consciousness with which you do it. So grow your consciousness. Uh, any other questions? Oh, I just, you know, I'd like to get a book of yours and get a signed copy. Cool. Well, the new well, one's out in seven four, yeah. weeks, but I'll organize you some of the insights ones. It'll get cool, you going in the meantime. You. Were there questions from anybody else yes. there? So we do have. Um, so this is more about skills and passion Okay. Uh, within a business. So okay. Jake says, how do you tell the difference between passions and skills? For example, you could be really good at something, but it doesn't mean you have a passion for it. Right. So how do you then work through it? Well, I'd say one of the things I help people with always, whether it's coaching or the, the corporate stuff or talks, is first look inwards. First understand the change. We're going through quantum change. So whatever we're going through, stress, confusion, shit, that's quantum. Don't worry about it. That's the nature of the game. Second, okay, so now what do we use as our guide? The only guide you've got is yourself. So go inwards. Who are you? There's your question. What are you good at? So what talents have you got? That would be more the, the, the passion. What do you enjoy? So what are you good at? What do you enjoy? That's, if you do those things, it must work. It's like that's the universe being intelligent. <laughs> so if you're just aligning with that. Sometimes you've got skills, though. Maybe you were taught certain things. When I, before I started out on my own, I worked in banks and we analyzed jobs. People, we were taught how to do these jobs. They didn't enjoy them. They weren't their natural talents, but they had them as a skill. So a skill is, is more superficial. It's out there on your periphery, whereas your passion's closer to you. And skills you can learn. And these days, I mean, you just you can pick things up in 20 minutes. I mean, even deep stuff. You can 20 minutes on Google and, you, and you're an expert. So skills are easy. They're not a competitive advantage if you want to use the old business model in, in business. Knowledge. is any, All knowledge is available. 30 years ago, knowledge was your, your, your lever. Now it's available. So what is insight? That's why my books are called insights. It's your particular insight, which comes from being conscious. So if you'd say skills are on the periphery, your passion and your talents are closer to you, and then even closer is, is just your consciousness, your being. Your ultimate you is the part that is just space. All the space between the molecules in your atoms that are making you up, that's you, your space. Those atoms are coming and going all the time, living and dying, but you're still here. I say that that consciousness will remain after death. I'll watch my death. I'll watch it happen. That's my sense. Uh, we'll have to see. But I'm just saying be aware, be conscious, because it's the consciousness that prevails. And the consciousness is who we are, and it's the ultimate mystery. The more you look into who you are, the more you... The more you don't know. <laughs> yeah, the more you realize you don't and can't know. And that's the joy of it. You cannot answer it. You cannot tick it. Because it's a mystery, and that's why the more you search, the more you'll, there is to find. We're going to leave it here. Brilliant. Because... <laughs> no one ever works out the meaning of life. That's it. So just live it. Exactly. That is bottom line stuff. Brilliant. Dude, awesome. Rad show. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Clap it up. See All you again. Up. Cheers. Thanks for checking out the Matt Brown Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. 
Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients, Haiku, went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com. 